Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. The Hammer and Nigel Show. My name is Nigel. Hammer right over there with a special guest on the DriveHubler.com hotline. We got drama. We got some feuding, some drama at Colts training camp. Uh-oh. Kevin Bowen from 107.5 The Fan, the Kevin and Query morning show, joining us. KB, there was some tweeting happening last night. Jim Ursay tweets. Jonathan Taylor's agent tweets. Catch everybody up to speed here. What's going on? Yeah, you know, a public uh, contract negotiations playing out, which is not something I think Chris Ballard wants. I don't frankly think it's yeah. what Jonathan Taylor wants either. Yeah, I was surprised by the Ursay tweet, certainly. And, you know, surprised as Jim Ursay comments is probably something I should learn from. But um, you know, to be totally honest with you, I think Ursay's tweet was a lot more about defending the shield. And I know that might sound like a dumb statement, but I think ever since last fall, when Jim Mercer was very public in his criticism over Daniel Snyder, the ex-owner of the Washington Redskins, he has really felt this kind of, um, I don't know, a little bit of a power trip in wanting to make sure the NFL and the stewardship of that is of most importance. And, you know, frankly, I don't disagree with anything Ursay tweeted. Um, now, real quick, let me stop you right there, KB. For somebody who hasn't seen the tweets, last night Jim Ursay basically lays it all out on Twitter that these NFL running backs wanting all these new contracts that feel like they're being done dirty – you signed the deal. The collective bargaining agreement that you guys all agreed to is in place, so let's cut the crap. Now, I'm paraphrasing that. And it was directed towards Jonathan Taylor, specifically? Correct. And then Taylor's agent clapped back at Jim Ursay. So we've got this going on, but you're telling us that you think is kind of in that stage in his career of, I'm here to defend the NFL. Yeah, and I would just add something. I know Nigel said that was directed towards Jonathan Taylor. I mean, clearly, when you know one of your own players, a running back in this case, is having the contract issues that Taylor's having, there is an element of Taylor in that. But I think a lot of it is just league-wide of all these running backs that are chatting right now about it. And Ursa wants to be like, guys, hello, remember the collective bargaining agreement? The franchise tag was agreed upon with your NFL Players Association, which, again, I think Ursa is spot on. Now, Taylor's agent responded back and said something to the effect of, you know, bad faith would be not paying your best offensive player. Hard to argue against that either. So what we have now is we have a very public contract dispute, which is very rare for the Colts, especially in the last kind of five to ten years. This is not something that we have seen very often. Obviously, how all of this plays out will be an appointment viewing. So how does it work behind the scenes? Because I guess I wouldn't even, the casual Colts fan wouldn't have even known Jonathan Taylor was having contract negotiations if Jim Irsay didn't tweet that and then Taylor's agent responded. Yeah, you know, typically in the Colts under Chris Ballard, they have extended guys that have outperformed their rookie contracts. And for those unfamiliar with it, basically if you're a second-round picker later, you get a four-year rookie deal. Going into year four, you're eligible for an extension. Guys like Darius Leonard at the time, Quentin Nelson, I know he was a first-round pick, but he got an extension. Braden Smith got an extension. Naheem Hines got an extension. So Taylor and Michael Pittman are both you know, eligible for one, and you can make the argument, certainly with Taylor, that he is due one. Now, you know, the, the public nature to this, we've seen Taylor speak out a little bit back in the spring. We saw even Chris Ballard, I think, kind of speak to Taylor's agent with some of his comments earlier this week, but not to the level of what I think is a bit of Twitter pettiness. Again, I think it's league-wide, Ursay's comments, but 
read the room. You know, Jonathan Taylor's going to react. Clearly his agent had a reaction to that. I would assume Colts players have a reaction to that. And as much as I disagree with the notion that you draft a running back in the second round, like they did with Taylor back in 2020, because we're seeing a play out right now. This is why you don't draft one, because you get three years into it and you say, oh, he wants that value? He's not worth that. He plays running back. You know, to me, second-round picks should be pillar players, you know, six, eight years down the road. As much as I disagree with that premise, you got to live in reality. And the reality is this. you got a rookie quarterback. You can't skimp on, on supporting him with skill players. And that means Jonathan Taylor. That means Michael Pittman, the value that they would like. Colts got the money. It's not like they can sit here and act like, oh, we don't have the money. I think you got to spend it. But, Kevin, you look around the league and look at the really good teams here, the Kansas Cities, the San Francisco's, the teams like that, the Philadelphia's, the running back position, they don't spend a lot of money at that spot on those successful teams. They spend the money on the quarterbacks. They spend the money on the wide receivers, maybe the edge rushers, some defensive backs. The running back position around the league as a whole – it just feels like that position isn't something that warrants teams spending big money anymore. And I think that's a great point. And it kind of goes back to what I was saying about you don't draft the running back in the second round. I, I don't think you draft one before round four. That's just my philosophy. But that's neither here nor there. You have to live in reality. And the reality is this. You're not the Chiefs. You're not the Eagles. You're not one of those teams. You're a bad football team with a very inexperienced rookie quarterback. And I would argue a rookie quarterback like Anthony Richardson is in some pretty fragile moments early in his career. This is the time to support him. This is the time to do some things out of the ordinary. You're going to get three, four years into the Richardson tenure, and you know he's going to be wanting to make more money and all of that. You can you know rebuild, or I should say retool, maybe what your roster looks like then down the road. For now, a two, three-year extension for Taylor, you know, three or four years for, for Michael Pittman. That makes sense. You let these guys walk, and he's dealing with a bunch of, you know, barren cupboard of skill players. So that's where I get back to the point of I don't think you can take shortcuts here. I think you've got to bite the bullet a little bit, uh, you know, pay, overpay, whatever you want to call it. And then, again, two, three years down the road, you can uh, maneuver in a different, different sort of direction. So Jonathan Taylor is officially on the pup list, physically unable to perform. Is this because of an ankle injury, an ankle surgery that he had in the offseason, or is this the Colts brass putting him on this list to make sure that he still gets a paycheck, it's in good faith here, nobody's fining him for holding out, and they're going to try to work something out? What do you think? Yeah, I think with, with Taylor, frankly, um, I think this could be a little bit of his own doing. And I will fully admit here, Hammer, like I am offering a little bit of just guesswork here, but a couple things to keep in mind here. One, Jonathan Taylor's rep by the same agent that rep Shaquille Leonard. Shaquille Leonard two years ago walked into training camp, had an ankle issue. A little surprised that he wasn't on the pup list uh, to, to start camp. He missed the first 10 practices. He puts pen to paper on a new contract extension on August 7th. Boom, August 10th, he's good to go. Huh. Are we seeing something similar play out here? I, I don't think I'm like tinfoil conspiracy theorist. I, I just think these are things you have to point out. We're talking about Jonathan Taylor having surgery back in January for a high ankle sprain. I think you talk to anybody in the medical field, high ankle sprains are not supposed to linger for six-plus months. Jim Mercer just said a few weeks ago, Jonathan Taylor's healed up. So it, just, it doesn't all add up to me. Is this some of Taylor's doing? Is this some of Taylor's saying I don't want to go out there when I'm in some of these contract issues. 
You know, I, I, I know what I am as a player. Again, I, I might be dead wrong on that, but I think these are all possibilities that you have to uh, acknowledge here and can't just act like those are not, you know, questions that deserve to be asked. So I asked Shane Steichen yesterday, when's Taylor going to come uh, come off that pup list? He said when he's 100%. He was pretty, very vague with details. So, again, we have a very hard knock storyline playing out for the Colts contractually. And considering how Taylor's wired, this is very unique for the organization, particularly for a player on and off the field like Taylor. KB, we got less than a minute left here. Have you had a chance to look at Anthony Richardson, the uh, quarterback the Colts took early on out of Florida? If so, what's the uh, what's the report? Yeah, so yesterday, again, just we're just one practice into this, but yesterday he took all of the second-team reps. It was a very quiet day from a passing game standpoint. For him and Gardner Minshew, Gardner Minshew took all 15 of the starting reps. But I think kind of this time next week, guys, is when we'll get into the, okay, if you're a weekend of camp and Gardner Minshew is still dominating the first-team reps and taking all those, he's got to be viewed as the favorite to be the starter. You only have three preseason games. It's not like you have a ton. So I don't know where Richardson would maybe take this giant lead. Again, I am a fan of playing him early. I think he needs those reps. Um, The question to me of, is he ready? You're never going to know if he's truly ready. Uh, the only way you can know that is to put him in games and see what he needs to work on and things like that. If you're worried about his fragile makeup in a game setting, then you probably don't have the right wired quarterback. Uh, Peyton Manning threw the most interceptions in NFL history for any rookie quarterback in his 3-13 and rookie season, and look how he turned out. I think you got to throw him into the fire. But right now, again, we're very, very early into this. Minshew is certainly the lead guy. He is one half of the Kevin and Query Morning Show, 107.5 The Fan, Kevin Bowen. KB, thank you so much for the update. You bet. Always enjoy having on, guys.